You are listening to South Niagara Conversations, a podcast presented by the South Niagara Chambers of Commerce, along with 105.1 The River and 101.1 More FM. Here are your hosts, Dolores Fabiano and Scott Lunn. Thanks to everyone who's joined us for our South Niagara Conversation series. For those of you who are tuning in from afar, we represent the communities of Fort Erie, Niagara Falls, Port Coburn, Waynefleet, Welland, and Pelham. We're located in Southern Ontario, a wonderful place to live, work, and play. Good morning, Scott. Here we are again. Yes, Dolores, back at it again. How are you this morning? I'm doing great. The snow has melted. The sun is shining. I can see the buds on the trees. I'm, I'm living life. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I also want to give a shout out to our tech sponsor, Brian LaChapelle from B4 Networks. They're the technology experts that everybody needs, believe me. Brian, how are you this morning? Thank you, Dolores. How about you? I'm doing great. So this morning, we're going to be talking about the impact of the pandemic on Niagara Falls and the tourism industry, as well as what tourism will look like post-pandemic. With an estimated 30 million visitors to this world-renowned location, this past year has been beyond challenging. Scott, I'm hard pressed to think of another industry that has been impacted uh, as much as, as tourism. It's been a tough go, um, but once folks are able to safely travel again, Niagara Falls is gonna be a busy, busy place. I, I, I know that, we just have to get there. So I'm really interested in having this conversation. Scott, who do we have joining us this morning? Yes, Dolores. Well, this morning we have uh, Richard Taylor, who's the president of Niagara Casinos, and Joel Noden, who's the director of marketing for Hoco Entertainment and Resorts, as well as the chair of the Niagara Falls Tourism Association. Gentlemen, welcome. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, we're going to start with Joel. Um, let's take, take us back. We'll sort of take the pandemic out of the equation for a second and just tell us what it was like, how things were sitting just before this, uh, this pandemic hit us. Well, the tourism sector here in Niagara Falls has just come off one of its its best years, actually. Uh, the hotel rates were were high. The occupancies were high. Uh, daytime visits were rocking. Overnight stays were uh, almost at full capacity through the summer. Um, just to keep that in perspective, I mean, uh, this past year, the hotel occupancy for the entire year was only one point. Uh, 1.8 million people as opposed to uh, in 2018 I'm using a cheat sheet here was about 14.7 million people wow. so yeah it's pretty uh, sobering statistics when you when you start looking at it and and that's continued I mean we, we're now at a point where uh, you know we keep hearing uh, through social media and the media that uh, you know, people are coming on weekends, it's packed. Oh, actually, Saturday night uh, stays at the hotels. This is through the, the what they call the Star Report. It's a, an industry report. It's only about 14%. I mean, a year ago at this time of year, or two years ago at this time of year, it would have been probably 60, 65%. So, again, you, you, uh, you look at the stats and they tell the truth. Um, you don't always get that feel from just eyeballing the, the destination. Wow. Yikes. Those are some uh, very sobering numbers. Um, yeah, not a good way to start a conversation. No, <laughs> no. And, and we'll probably continue with a little bit of sadness here because Richard, uh, <laughs> pre-pandemic, uh, the casino was just days away from launching a new entertainment center. So 
I mean, everything came to a screeching halt for your industry as well. Yeah, it, yes, it did. And, uh, you know, I look back, you know, we, we had just come off of our uh, transition to Mohegan Gaming and Entertainment. You know, we're completely filled with optimism. Uh, you're right, we're, we're literally two weeks away from opening up the Niagara uh, Falls Entertainment Center, you know, which was going to be transformative, not just for our business, but for this whole entire community. It's a 5,000 seat entertainment center that, uh, you know, of course, we don't have enough restaurants, we don't have enough hotel rooms to be able to look after that incremental need. And, you know, that's sort of where the partnership and, uh, you know, with the rest of the community was going to come in that everybody was going to benefit from from that opening. But uh, it was two weeks, literally almost to the day that uh, that we did have to shut down. And at that time, you'll recall, it was supposed to be a April 6th reopening, I believe, which was going to coincide with the opening of the schools. You know, and of course, here we are 14 months later, we're still closed. Uh, you know, we had a small window of opportunity. I think it was back in around August, uh, you know, where we could open up, uh, you know, the health table is going to let us open up with uh, with 50 patrons. But, you know, with 200,000 square feet here on gaming floor, you know, the facility is over well over a million square feet. You know, and at Casino Niagara, another 95,000 square feet, we just couldn't build an economic, it just wasn't sustainable for us to, you know, reopen our doors with uh, with only 50 people. So, uh, so it's been tough, you know, it's been tough on the community here. And, and Dolores, your, your lead in comments, I, you know, I think are spot on, you know, the tourism industry has been hard hit. Uh, and in particular here in this community, which primarily this economy is a tourist based economy. Um, you know, but I think we've been resilient. We've been working very, very well together. You know, Joel and I are on a, on a task force. Uh, you know, it almost sounds like it's a SWAT team, but uh, we kind of feel like it is at, at time. But, uh, you know, the community has come together. The business leaders have come together. The leadership in this community has come together. And we're going to get through this, you know, and we're very optimistic now with, uh, with the vaccine rollout. Seems like it's getting momentum. Um, you know, we're, we're hopeful that, uh, you know, we're going to get that resurgence of, uh, of tourism. Uh, we had a great call with, uh, with Tim Hudak. Uh, he's uh, heading up this uh, tourism recovery committee. We had some really good discussion with him, shared a lot of good ideas specifically about our industry, you know, and some other comments that, uh, you know, will help the, uh, you know, the local economy here as well. So a lot to be optimistic about, you know, as much as it has been a very horrible situation for everybody involved here, but, uh, but we are going to be, get through this and, and we're going to be, uh, you know, we will be better for this as well. So. So I, I know that, um, you know, we don't typically like to get too political, but here I go. Uh, there are some policies that really just <laughs> don't make sense. And Scott, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, about a month ago, maybe more than a month ago, we had a couple of um, local restaurants on the podcast talking about their experience and, and, and how they were managing and one of the things that um, really didn't make sense to them, and this was just as we were coming out of the last, the second lockdown. So they were allowed to have uh, 10 people uh, for um, uh, dining in. And what they said was, it doesn't matter if you have a, a restaurant that's like 35,000 square feet or a restaurant that is 1,000 square feet, you're allowed 10 people, which makes absolutely no sense and and they were saying that it should be a percentage of you know your floor space so you can have you know 10 percent capacity or 25 percent capacity and that would really allow them to survive right and um that's the same argument for the casino right that's 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 really what what would make a lot more sense i mean with some of the retail shops it's it's a percentage of capacity 
And I know, um, and, and maybe we can talk a little bit about Richard, all of the things that you guys have implemented to make sure that your patrons, your customers, and your employees are beyond safe in your facility. Yeah, we in, uh, invested a lot of time and, and a lot of money, quite frankly, developing that program. You know, we think that it is a very responsible program. You know, we wanted to make sure that not only our guests, but all of our associates, uh, you know, their safety is, is paramount, first, uh, first and paramount with, with us. And we've had epidemiologists involved in the design of our plan. We've had other medical specialists involved in our plan. And it is a very, you know, comprehensive plan. Uh, we've gone and, 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 and you know, made our um, filtration system a lot more robust. And I'm told from our engineers that the air inside the casino is actually cleaner than the air outside. Uh, we change the air over every six minutes. So you can imagine, you know, how much uh, effort that takes to do that. Uh, we put in carpet paths, uh, you know, to get better direction, uh, directional flow with the casino. We put up plexiglass. I know, I know Jim, Jim, Jim Diodiati on uh, CHCH refers to it. There's more plexiglass in here than, than at NHL uh, arena. And, that, and that's absolutely true. Uh, we've got separation between slot machines. We have physical separation. We have separation between dealers and players and, and between the players and, and segregated and separated people out. And uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot that we have done in our plan and it is all based on medical science uh, and, and well supported. So, um, you know, back in, in August when we did try to approach the, uh, the health table, uh, we were classified as a gym or, or a movie theater. Uh, which is where this 50-person capacity uh, came from. So, you know, we're going to try to advocate something differently this time, hopefully. Uh, you know, we think that we should be more closely aligned to the retail industry. So, you know, hopefully uh, we're going to be able to get, uh, you know, that uh, approval from them, hopefully this time, and, and maybe open up with something that's a little bit more sustainable. We just can't open up with 50 people. It has to be something that's sustainable. But you're right. I mean, the health and safety of everybody that comes uh, through our doors is, uh, you know, is, is top of mind for us. Yeah, and I would think, um, Joel, that, that would be the message uh, right across the board. I mean, we are Niagara Falls. We know that, you know, as soon as um, people can safely travel and we can welcome them, they will come to Niagara Falls. I mean, we know that. But there will be people who will be concerned about safety and, and, and the industry itself um, has really stepped up and, um, you know, put in the time, the energy um, to make sure that it's a safe place to be. And maybe you can talk to that a little bit. Yeah, I can tell you. I mean, to Rich's point, I mean, I think, I think the, uh, the province got retail pretty much right uh, and is a good model for, for other businesses. Uh, you know, it's not perfect, but these large facilities, I mean, have air handling and air exchangers that are, are better than anything you'd have in your house or any small restaurant or small retail shop. I mean, we have the same, same issue here with our, 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 our kitty casino, the, our Midway and, uh, and Boston Pizza Complex, where we're exchanging air at 50% and, uh, you know, we leave doors open. It's not good for the environment, I guess, but we won't get into that. But we do, we have the doors wide open. But yeah, we, as, a, as an industry, we took a really hard look at this. We developed what we called the, the visitor path, or the visitor uh, pathway through, through an attraction from a safety standpoint, uh, through a restaurant, through a hotel, what are the, the different steps in place. And we, 
we kept in, in our task force, as Richard knows, we kept talking about, well, we're safe to play, we're safe to stay. So that kind of became our moniker. We're, we, we have a website, we have a webpage that says safe to play. I mean, that's, that's what we are. We're safe to play and safe to stay. And, and I'll tell you, the, the businesses, they, they don't take this lightly. I mean, this is their livelihoods. These, this, you know, they've put everything into this. And, you know, they're not going to let uh, the little slip up cost them their livelihood. So, I mean, if you go into any of the, the, the businesses in Niagara Falls that are in tourism, they're very, very stringent on their, their, the way they, they deal with their staff, the way they deal with their customers. Um, it's, it's not a joke. I mean, to them, it's their, this is their life. And their life has been disrupted, I would say, more than the average person, more than, you know, somebody that gets to stay home or, you know, I, I you know, I, I get the stories regularly through our membership at Niagara Falls Tourism where, you know, they've taken out another mortgage on their house. Their house was paid off. Now they've got a mortgage. <clears throat> their savings have been depleted. Their, their kids' schooling funds have been tapped into. Uh, it's it's really sad when you when you start hearing some of these real life stories. These, these aren't people just making stuff up or third hand. I'm getting it right from business owners, yeah. and um, you know, and something has to be something has to give at some point. Yeah, well, tourism is a the tourism industry is a highly labor intensive industry, and um, I was reading I was reading some material and the World Travel and Tourism Council. They've estimated that 174 million jobs are at risk globally uh, in that industry alone. That's a lot of people being affected. And, you know, if I'm being honest, the one thing that I, I worry about for our tourism industry is that when we are able to, you know, reopen in a, in a significant way, will we have the labor force? Because, um, you know, it's been over a year now that some of these properties have, have been, you know, either closed or semi-closed or people have been out of work. And during that time, uh, I would think that uh, some of them, maybe many of them, have moved on. We know that in talking to other sectors, um, some of them are doing really well, busier than ever. And uh, in talking to job developers here in Niagara, there are more uh, jobs and there are people for those jobs right now. And so we can see people, you know, um, getting jobs in different industries and moving on. And are you guys worried at all about having the labor force when we're really able to get back to it? Well, it's interesting. You know, we, we, um, we of course, were able to open up last summer. Uh, just for over 120 days, it wasn't uh, the full year, and and we still had uh, more than 50% of our of our businesses shuttered. Um, like our, our midways and and indoor attractions were all shuttered, uh, and we had trouble getting staff last year, uh, and it was part fear, uh, part uh, the the CERT program that uh, people thought, well, you know what, I can stay home rather than go to work. Uh, and also people had at that point moved on to other jobs where they, they saw more security or, or longer term benefit to, to going to a different place of employment or a different career. So I think that's going to compound uh, in this coming year. And I mean, Richard, I think at the casino, 
that's going to be a major issue. Uh, the other issue that, that we had last summer, and I think will be even greater this year, is um, the type of work that our employees do. They're on their feet. It's, it's, very, it's demanding work. I mean, whether you're a server in a restaurant or working in an attraction, I mean, it's long hours, it's, it's late hours, it's 24 hours at the casino. And uh, I think there's going to be a factor of employee burnout that we have to look at because these, the pe- even the people that we've had for years haven't done this in a long time. Yeah, that makes yeah, sense. I mean, it's, and it's a concern of ours. And I think, Dolores, to your point, I mean, I think in the region, I think there's 40,000 people who, have, who are currently on layoff here in this community. And, you know, and I think for us, because we have been closed for 14 months and, you know, given the state of where we're at with, uh, with the pandemic, who knows that that's going to likely extend a little while longer here. Although we're fairly optimistic that, uh, you know, the vaccines are going to hopefully turn this thing around very soon. Um, but I'm sure there's, you know, several of our employees who have moved on, you know, there has been a few that uh, have, have left the organization. Um, but it's a great question. And we actually pose that back to our staff you know, to find out about their willingness uh, and ambitions to come back. And, and actually, the number is, is quite high. So, you know, we have a lot of very loyal, committed uh, employees, associates that uh, that work here. And, and we're just hopeful that, uh, you know, that they're going to come back, uh, you know, but I don't think it's going to be uh, a V-shaped recovery. I, I do think it's going to be more of a U-shaped recovery. I just don't see this thing going from zero to 100. You know, it's probably going to be some ramp up, you know, as we open up maybe 25% capacity, 50% capacity. I mean, I look across North America, and that's been sort of the recovery, at least in our industry, you know, where they've had about a 50% opening. Uh, Vegas, for example, I think they're now removing all restrictions from the gaming industry. Uh, They're opening up 100% capacity. And the other good news is I'm hearing that some of the Cirque shows are actually starting to uh, uh, open up as well in Vegas. So, you know, I think if we follow in their footsteps, it will probably be, you know, that kind of a ramp up for us. But quite honestly, it's probably not a bad thing to, you know, to Joel's point, it's like opening up a brand new casino. You know, our associates have not been working for 14 months. Uh, You know, we're going to have to go through retraining. We just put in a brand new GMS uh, system here as well, gaming management system, a brand new uh, player loyalty uh, program with momentum. You know, so there's going to be a lot of retraining to bring our staff back up to the level that they were, you know, obviously prior to uh, the pandemic. So, you know, there will be a lot of heavy lifting, but the good news is, you know, we have so many good committed employees here. Uh, we have some of the best employees in the industry that work for us, and, and we're very proud of that. So, uh, you know, we're, we're looking forward to a really bright future. Richard, to that, to that point, and, I got, and when, when people come back, the burnout factor with, with long hours and, and working and having been working in some time, what, and also the skill set. So if you're a dealer, and I, I don't pretend to understand how, how this works from their side of things, but would, would, you not, would your, your skills not sort of lessen over a period of of being down, there would have to be some trials and time to come in and sharpen those skills, I would think, right? Yeah, and we and we do have uh, training programs uh, built into our reopening plans. You know, we have multiple, multiple reopening plans, just given what the circumstance, we've tried to think of every single circumstance. But a big part of that is, uh, you know, employee preparedness. And, and, and we do know that we're going to have to go through extensive retraining just on the, the normal skills to get people back in. 
uh, you know, doing the things that they were doing before, you know, and not to mention, you know, a new system that we put in place while we've been down as well. That's going to require some some lead time. You know, also part of our uh, health and safety uh, measures has been, uh, you know, we have a whole training program for all of our associates as well. So that's going to make up, uh, you know, another uh, big part of our, our um uh, training, you know, once we start to bring some some of our employees back. So it's a long lead time. It's going to probably take us, you know, at least a month, maybe even longer, you know, to to get our employees back reacclimated to what it is that we're doing and all the training programs that we have. You know, we want to make sure that they are comfortable, that they are protected and they are prepared, you know, to look after the customers in the world class way that uh, that we've uh, been known for. Right. And and Joel, on that, aside from people, uh, I would think like any any kind of mechanical operation that sits for a long period of time is at risk of, you know, de degrading. Like there must be some, you know, some, some money and some concern about that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think the only plus side of, of this uh, downtime has been that we've been able to get in and, and do some, some heavy maintenance and deep cleaning that uh, we've... Our go-kart track, we've re replaced engines and brakes and tires and uh, the, the whole thing on, on all of our equipment there. We, we've uh, done some refurbishing on the Skywheel. Um, our arcade, we well, we haven't used it in a, over a year, so there, we've, but we've replaced uh, you know, flooring and, and some other things. Where we've redone movie land, expanded that. So it's given us that opportunity. Um, we're lucky to be in a position where we have the resources to do that. Uh, other businesses, again, it's a, it's they're, they're caught in the middle. You know, they don't have the revenue, their, their, their savings and, and reserves are depleted and they don't have that opportunity to fix things up. They need revenue to do that. And, you know, what do you do? I mean, how do you, how do you manage that? And it, I feel, I really feel for these small operators. I mean, it's, it's a tough, tough position to be in. Yeah. And Hoku is, is um, rather unique because you're involved in everything. So you've got hotels, you've got retail, you've got restaurants, you've got attractions. Um, any one of those been impacted greater than the others or is it the same across the board? It's pretty much the same across the board. I mean, uh, the restaurant business has probably been hit harder than anything else. And uh, with the, the limits that have been put in place, and again, if we can get to those percentage limits as opposed to hard numbers, uh, you know, we have our, our Boston pizza seats over 800 people. I mean, again, like to Richard's point, you put 10 people in there, you wouldn't even find them. Uh, you know, so, I mean, how do you, how do you run a restaurant like that? Uh, so that that's probably been hit the hardest, and any of the the high high touch point areas like our our midway, uh, any of our attractions that have high touch points, uh, they didn't open at all. So we've been shuttered as Richard has for over a year, for 14, 15 months now. Yeah, so. and and Richard, your uh, your restaurants haven't been able to do takeout or anything like that, right? No, no, we have been completely shut down. Our hotel, the restaurants, our galleria, all of our food and beverage operations, we've had no revenue for, for the last year. Yeah, and it's a shame because, um, uh, again, when, when it's safe to for us to welcome you back to Niagara Falls, talk about fine dining. I mean, some of the best restaurants uh, you'll ever eat at are at our casinos. So uh, I can't wait <laughs> myself. Um, we, we can't talk about tourism in uh, Niagara Falls without uh, addressing the border. 
and the impact that that border closure has has had. And I think if you, if you don't live in a border town, you can't you can't understand um, what it means. Um, can we talk a little bit about that and 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 what sure. it's, it's it's meant? Go ahead. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it it has an effect. I mean, when you look at at the actual number of, of visitors that come from the U.S., it's not as high as people think. Uh, it's about 25 to 30 percent of, of the total visitation to Niagara. But when you look at visitor spend, they spend at almost double the rate of a Canadian or almost triple the rate of somebody from Ontario. So it's, it's almost 50 percent of the revenues, but 25 to 30 percent of the actual traffic. So um, when you look at what, what's the importance of that? Well, I mean, hotel rates are, are based on American traffic. Uh, the, the fine dining and, and restaurant spend, I mean, they, they'd love to, when they come on a vacation, Americans spend money. Um, more so than, than, than I think people from Ontario, only because they come more frequently. Somebody from Toronto will come here two, three times. They'll, they'll find their favorite little restaurant that they like to go to. Um, they may stay for dinner. They may just have lunch. Uh, they may spend one night, uh, whereas Americans will come and spend two, three nights. It's, it's, I liken it to a Canadian going to Florida for a vacation. You know, if they go to Orlando, they spend. If they go to Vegas, they spend. Uh, probably more so than an American would. So. Yeah. And um, Richard, what about the uh, casino? What's the impact been of that border closure? Well, I mean, of course, for us, you know, uh, we, we have been completely closed. So, I mean, quite honestly, if the border was open, you know, we still wouldn't be able to take advantage of that. But, uh, you know, I can say that it is an important part of our business. Uh, you know, once we do get ourselves up and running, you know, of course, that part will be very, very important to us. And, you know, I guess to, to put a plug into our friends uh, in Windsor at Caesars Windsor, between us, you know, us both being border uh, casinos, you know, we combine, we probably make up about 25% of our business does come from the U.S. So, you know, it is a significant portion. It's an important port, uh, piece for us and in, in our community here as well. So, yeah, and there's there's no um, there's no end in sight with that border. Um, you know, we're, we're getting calls at our chamber. Um, Americans planning their summer vacation, you know, wanting, you know, where should I stay? What are the attractions I should see? And we're happy to give that information, but you know we have to be honest and let them know the border is closed. And um, and like I said, the farther away you are from the border, the less you understand that it's a physical border. You're you're travel you're driving into another country, and they don't understand that even with their passport right now they're not getting through. And it's um, it's so hard. It's 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 heartbreaking for us to to not say yes, come, yeah, all right, fantastic. We we you know have to be honest with them. Um, what do you, you know, Joel, what's the message we should be, we should be giving? Well, it's, it's funny, you know, we, we, we get that uh, to this day, right from the, the beginning of this pandemic to uh, just yesterday, uh, calls from people from Rochester, <laughs> you know, and they're saying, the board is closed. I mean, but, you know, I, I have a passport, uh, you know, so they're, they're just not dialed into to the difference. And I, I think in some ways it's worse uh, for the near markets than the, the, the long haul markets because they, they're so used to just coming across the border and things are getting better there. So they just assume yeah. it's the same here. Um, and again, our, our message is, is that, you know, when, when it's safe, we will open that border. 
uh, for both of us. And you know, we don't try and play one side against the other. We say we want what's best for both of us. And right now is at the time. Um, and again, we try and get their information. We did. We did have one, and it's it's funny how you you tend to uh, get into into a routine. Uh, one of one of my people here was uh, on the phone, and they're we're getting these calls on a regular basis. And she got a call, and she could tell just from the accent that the person was American. And she so she st listens to him, and then says, uh, "Well, you do know the board is closed." He says, "From Toronto." He says, "I live in Toronto," <laughs> but you just get into that 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 routine. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's really our message is when 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 we're ready. I mean, come on over. We're safe to play, safe to stay. Uh, and to Richard's point, I, I think this is going to be this plays into that U-shaped uh, recovery because we all not only have the the American market, we have international markets, and the, those international long haul markets are going to be several years in recovery. Um, Hopefully the U.S. is, is by 2023, uh, we, we start to see a proper uh, return on that. But I think when you look at uh, the international, the true international markets, uh, we're looking at 24, 25 before it, uh, we're back to where we were in 2018, 2019. Yeah. So, yeah, so and, 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 you know, just talking about that long haul market, and, and I would agree, I mean, you know, the whole busing, I mean, I think it's a significant part of our business. I think it's a significant part of business for this community as well as is the busing business bringing folks in from from afar, you know, into Niagara Falls. Uh, you know, I think that that's probably going to be a little bit slow to recover as well. Um, you know, but as these safety measures, you know, hopefully start to get lifted once the situation improves, more and more people will be willing to get on a bus. But but I think that's probably going to be a little bit slow for, for all of us to recover as well. So yeah, yeah. I agree. I would agree with that yeah. too. Um, I don't know if you can answer this, Richard, but um, so Mohican Gaming has properties in the U.S. And, and Asia as well, I believe. What what are they? What's their experience in in those markets? Are those casinos open? Are they operating? Are they at, at full capacity? Well, they're not at full capacity, but uh, but everyone across the enterprise has been open. I believe they reopened back in around the July timeframe. So it was it was about midsummer when when they opened, but but it was at uh, you know limited capacity, uh, you know which seems to be more the norm is is just a limitation on capacity uh, at least across North America. So uh, yeah, I think uh, I think they're at around fifty percent capacity. And like I said, I believe in Vegas, which I which was at fifty percent capacity. I think they're moving. I've heard that they're actually moving to one hundred percent capacity recently, very recently, if not uh, in the very near future. So, but, but yes, they are all open. They've been all open since, uh, uh, you know, midsummer and, and roughly around the 50% capacity. So, you know, in every one of them, Mohegan is, has taken a very, very responsible approach as well. Uh, you know, their, their plans are equally as thoughtful and, and, you know, based on science, uh, you know, they've had, they've had people from Harvard, actually medical folks from Harvard actually uh, designed their plan their plan and our plan are very, very similar, uh, you know, in many, many respects, but, uh, but they're very safe and, and, and very thoughtful plans that they put into place also. So, you know, to protect not only the employees, but also the guests that, uh, that, that go there. And to the best of my knowledge, uh, there's been, there's been no issues, uh, you know, at any one of their casinos. So. Yeah. Um, Joel, I'm wondering, um, our hotels in Niagara Falls, are they 
are they providing rooms for uh, the Canadians who are coming back and, and need to quarantine and or frontline workers who, who need to quarantine or, or need a space away from home? Are they, yeah, are they that, involved in, in that, all of that? That actually started um, last last year. There was a number of hotels that are providing uh, space. To, a lot of them were healthcare workers um, that, were, that were staying in the hotels. They, they didn't want to be in a family setting. Uh, so they were staying in, in hotels. Um, I don't believe there's any that are taking part in the quarantine program. Uh, those are mainly the Toronto area, the uh, airport hotels. But we, we do have still a number of uh, the hotels that are, are providing housing to frontline workers, uh, healthcare workers that um, we have. I know uh, just anecdotally that there's, there's some uh, pharmacists and, and such that uh, live in Niagara Falls, New York, or in Buffalo, uh, that work here in, in Niagara Falls and the Niagara region. And they've been staying in the hotels in order to avoid traveling back and forth across the border. Yeah, smart. Are there, um, are there any initiatives that um, we've, we've had to implement, uh, whether at the casino or, or within the industry in general, that you think are gonna stay with us long after the pandemic? Just new things that we've had to implement that are not going to go away. I, I think so. I think you know, there's there's this new acute awareness of of touch points and and you know, people's temperatures and and going to work sick. Uh, you know, I think there there's a, a heightened awareness to, to that, and a lot of those will stay in place. Uh, a lot of the the protocols that have been put in place will stay there. Um, I don't think things like masking will, will last forever, uh, but I think that'll that'll carry on for a while yet. Uh, some of the plexi that's been put in place, again, much like Richard, I mean, we've plexied the whole, the whole town. Um, I think things like a lot of those things may stay uh, where, where they're convenient to keep in place. Um, again, I think just a heightened awareness of, of safety of, of the guests and safety of our staff, you know, the employees. I think that heightened awareness will continue. Yeah. yeah and, and, and I would agree with those comments as well. So we're, we're fully expecting that that's going to continue. And we have, you know, hand sanitizer stations all over the floor. Uh, you know, we have uh, infrared readers for people with temperatures coming into the property. And, you know, I think some of our air handling, uh, you know, uh, procedures that we put into play, I, I expect a lot of that is going to continue into the future just to make sure that people feel safe and, and are truly safe as well. Yeah. Yeah. We actually added early on at uh, on our, at the Niagara Speedway a machine that actually I found it watching CHCH where they were interviewing a company out of Beamsville that had a machine that that could uh, clean N95 masks. It was also it was designed originally for fruit handling and vegetables. Uh, it uses UV and hydrogen peroxide, and we bought that. To, I called the guy and said, "Do you think that can clean a go kart helmet?" And so we tested it, had a test at the University of Guelph uh, that it, uh, they put a Ebola, Ebola, not Ebola, an E. coli on a, on a go-kart helmet, ran it through, bagged it, took it up to the University of Guelph, came out 100% clean. So it, it cleans COVID, it cleans head lice, it cleans any kind of virus or, or bacterial uh, uh, infection that might be there. So obviously we're going to keep that in place. I mean, it was, it was a good find and something that we were doing manually with spray bombs and things like that prior, but this was a new technology that we put into place and, and obviously we'll stay there now. Yeah. 
So some good innovation has come out of this for sure. Mm-hmm. I um I okay, so we we've we've talked about the pandemic, we've talked about the challenges, but I know that both of you are planning some amazing things for for when we're out of this for when we're out of this. So uh, can you share any any little tidbits of what's to come? <laughs> well, <Yeah>. from <laughs> sorry, sorry, Joel, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say from Niagara Falls tourism standpoint, um, we've been working with the province and the federal government. Uh, I, I will say that the province has been fantastic uh, in terms of working with us and um, providing funding that one day we can spend it, the next day we can't because of you know a rise in cases, but they're allowing us to, to keep that money in, in the bank and, and use it at a later date. So, I mean, there, there's big money available for blockbuster events and uh, you know, different things that, that we can do uh, leading up to the, or once we were able to reopen and, and for several years into that. So those are, I, I can't name them because they're, mm-hmm. we're still working on them right now, but yeah, we're looking at some big blockbuster events. Um, just, a, 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 I think you're going to see event after event after event once we once we can really open the doors. Well, I I know that the team is working so hard and um, really thinking about things in a different way. And I know that, you know, we're going to reopen with a bang for sure. Richard, I'm sure you have plans too. Oh, we do. Yes. No, for the last year, we've been, you know, trying to reinvent ourselves and certainly prepare for our future as well. You know, so that ultimately when we we do open, you know, there's something really exciting, not just for our, our employees, but our customer as well. So, uh, you know, we've expanded our gaming floor by 17,000 square feet. Uh, so we've added more gaming amenities. We've, we've uh, added some private suites up on the 30th floor of, uh, of our hotel tower. Uh, world-class, I'll tell you, there's not, a, there's not a private suite anywhere in the world that has the view that we have, uh, you know, from, from those particular suites. So we're really excited about that. You know, we, we built a plan along with Mohegan Gaming uh, to do a lot of cross-marketing of, uh, of, of, of our players, you know, so that we can start to bring people in from other parts of our organization and, and give them a different experience, uh, you know, here at Niagara Falls. So, so we've been busy putting a lot of those plans into place. Uh, we've made changes in our Galleria space. We've cleaned it up. We've opened it up a little bit more. We've made significant changes on our, on our gaming floor. We've segregated and separated our table games out. The layout is, uh, is going to be fantastic. Uh, we've made changes over at Casino Niagara as well. We've improved the entrance space there. Um, so we've been we've been extremely busy. Uh, and I think I mentioned already that we did put a brand new gaming management system in, which has not been a small feat. It's been a significant change for us. And that's going to give us the opportunity to make significant improvements in our customer loyalty program, you know, which is the momentum program. So it's going to give our customers the ability to sort of drive their own experience on site here. Uh, so we're pretty excited about a lot of those. Uh, looking forward, we're also excited about the prospects of iGaming as well. So you're probably aware that the province is, uh, is looking to legalize iGaming. But they're well on their way. We're, we're, we're participating in it. Uh, you know, we're really excited about those prospects. So, you know, it's, it's going to give us an opportunity to get synergy between, you know, an online participation and our bricks and mortar and be able to drive our business back and forth. So, you know, we think that that's going to be a, a transformative opportunity, not just for us, but for our whole entire industry. Uh, also, their uh, federal government, uh, you know, there was just a significant step made yesterday with the advancement of the single event uh, sports wagering bill. Uh, 
so that's looking like it's uh, it's going to go to Senate. So hopefully uh, Senate approves it. So we're really excited about the prospects of that, where we could have you know a, a comprehensive sports book in both Falls View and Casino Niagara. And we just think that that is something that is going to drive incremental tourism, you know, to the Niagara area here as well. So we have a lot to be excited about. We're very optimistic about the future. And I can't go without mentioning the Niagara Falls Entertainment Center as well. Uh, like I said earlier on, we were two weeks away from opening that. We had some really exciting acts that, uh, that we had planned. Our marketing folks are, are aggressively, you know, trying to make sure that we, we plan for that reopening. But of course, that particular industry, you know, has been has been shuttered as well. So it's going to take a little bit of time, I think, for us to get that open. But we're certainly, uh, you know, keenly looking forward to getting that up and running. I think the community here is going to be blown away with, uh, you know, with the world class facility that exists in the Niagara Falls Entertainment Center. So, yeah. so too will our customers. So, yeah, you know, Dolores, one, one thing that um, the pandemic did teach us is that we're more than just a waterfall community. I mean, we are, we're an entertainment community Like we are in the entertainment business rented in a big way. Uh, if you look within five kilometers, we've got five performance stages. We've got over a hundred restaurants. We've got attractions uh, of all to, to suit every uh, age group and, and demographic. And we have a park and a waterfall. With with all those other things closed, the hotels weren't busy because there's you, you see the waterfall. Uh, but we we have so much other entertainment that we really think that we are the entertainment capital of Canada. When you look at it, you can walk and and see all this stuff within five kilometers. It's it's nothing. There's no other place in in Canada that has that concentration of of, of entertainment that runs virtually 24 hours a day. I mean, like it's, it's a 24 hour a day buzz. And we also have a bedroom community that supports that. So, I mean, there, there is that, that clear dividing line between the entertainment district and the community. And you know, I've, I've traveled a lot across Canada and around the world and I haven't seen anything quite like this. And it, I think it took the pandemic to really realize it because we take it for granted. That's true. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great point. I mean, yeah, Joel, I mean, we are definitely all interconnected. And, you know, I think the work that we have done through our through our task force and how we've all come together, I mean, there is a synergistic effect between all of us, you know, and, and we do a lot of customer surveys to find out, you know, what drives the customer experience? What is it that they're looking for? And, you know, the, the customers do want to experience all of the attractions that we have in Niagara Falls here. And, and, and in part, that's why we are so successful and our success is the community's success and vice versa, because, you know, the customer can have a really holistic entertainment experience here, not just at the casino, but across, the, across this region as well. You know, we just got to get open. We just got to get a foothold. You know, we just got to get back into the game and, uh, you know, we just, uh, you know, got to, just kind of restart that uh, that tourism engine here. Yeah, and you know we didn't we haven't even talked about the the industries that support tourism and and our different venues. I mean, from the guy that cleans the grease traps in the in the restaurants to the the people that do bedding that deliver the food, provide food to to the restaurants, you know, provide kitchen equipment. Uh, you know, the list goes on and on and on. All of these businesses have been impacted as well. So once our engine's revving, all these other businesses pick up speed as well. 
And I think, you know, we, there's a lot of people relying on what we do for a living um, and they make their living that, that mm -hmm. way as well. Yeah, it's, um, it's good to know that we're ready to go. I mean, we may have been um, shut down for the better part of a year, but uh, everybody has been busy doing some great stuff. And uh, Scott, a couple of weeks ago, I started planning our parties, remember? Yeah. So we, we planned a party with Series Global in Port Coburn. We're going to the Fort Erie racetrack for a party. And then we're coming to Niagara Falls and it's, it's going to be one heck of a party. What a great conversation, guys. I, I've had the full gambit of emotions this morning. I, I was sad. I was, uh, you know, really sad, uh, worried. And, and now I'm so happy because it sounds like we've got some great things um, about to come our way. And, um, and I think we need to start focusing on that. It's, it's all about recovery now. We're, we're so close. And um, Scott, wow, what a good conversation. Yeah, this was, this was great, gentlemen. I'm excited. And I think the, the whole region is excited because your success is, is everyone's success, Bill, as you had alluded to. So uh, thank you very much for spending the time today. It was uh, very informative and, uh, and gives us, uh, gives us some, some real hope for the future. My pleasure. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Okay. Well, next week's conversation is going to focus on how the pandemic has impacted young people as they prepare to join the workforce. Uh, we want to talk about what the past year has been like for post-secondary students, what's been their biggest challenge, how their learning has changed, and what their hopes are for the future. Joining us for the conversation will be Angela Walsh, Niagara College Business Program, Samantha Jemison, Niagara College Mechanical Engineering, Valerie Pignotta, Brock University Medical Sciences, and Darby Patterson, Brock University Masters of Business Administration. Scott, I think it's gonna be a fascinating conversation to hear um, their perspective. I have a feeling you and I are gonna feel real old next Friday. Uh, to all of our listeners, tell us the topics that you're talking about because we wanna talk about them too. Thanks for tuning in and have yourselves a wonderful day. Thank you. Bye.